everyone. I'm Trisha Bell. Hi, I'm Georgia Young. And welcome to CTE Talk, the podcast where we talk all about CTE, concussion culture and sport, and life as a family member. Every Monday, we will be joined by guests to shed light on the neurological disease, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Join us on our mission to raise awareness and educate others. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Today, we have Brandy Winans, who's going to be our guest um, to talk about her CTE story. Um, we're called CTE Talk. We talk about all kinds of things CTE. And I know some ladies and other people coming on here will have a very um, intimate uh, CTE story. And, and that's the type that Brandy has. Brandy, go ahead and introduce yourself to us, could you? Hi, everybody. I'm Brandy Winans. I'm an author, inspirational speaker, and a very strong advocate for NFL and uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. I wrote a book called The Flip Side of Glory um, to tell my husband and mine, Jeff Winans, who played for Buffalo, Tampa, and the Raiders. Um, I wrote the book in order to be able to help others understand what goes on behind closed doors when the shoulder pads and the helmets come off and the family unit is really left in transition. And um, I knew nothing about CTE. I knew nothing about any of it until I was house sitting my girlfriend's house in 2007. She was on a Greek thing and I had her dog and my two dogs and um, she had HBO and Showtime and I'm channel surfing and I got um, Bryant Gumbel's Real Sports uh, with Chris Nowinski, a young man named Chris Nowinski, who was talking about a book that he wrote called Head Games. And Chris had been um, played four years at Harvard. And then he became Chris Harvard with the WWE. I knew also, I knew Chris from WWE because my husband, Jeff, and my son, Travis, and I, we were all big wrestling fans. So, mm -hmm. uh, once Chris started talking, it was kind of interesting to see that he was talking about all the symptoms and signs of um, CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And um, every one of them was my husband. The funny part was a week before that, I had just gotten divorce papers because I didn't know I was getting a divorce. And I found this guy on the internet. I couldn't get through HBO, but I knew one thing. I had to talk to him and I found him working for a little medical company and uh, we set a time. He answered me back in 24 hours. We set a time on a Monday morning to have a, a, a chat on the phone. And that morning I'm watching uh, Joe Delamulier, who my husband played with at Buffalo and uh, Mike Dicka talking about the uh, congressional hearings, talking about disability pensions. I knew all about that because I fought 16 years to get my husband's disability pension, um, which I talk about in the book. Um, at that point in time, by the time I got to Chris that day, he said, you have to come, you have to come and testify. I'll put you in touch with Linda Sanchez's office. You need to come and testify. You have to come to Washington for the hearings. Well, I was on a roller coaster roll. I didn't know, okay, so, you know, I, put money on my credit card and I flew up to Washington and um, I walked into the Dicka press conference. I gave written testimony 
and then uh, they read the testimony. I walked into the DICA press conference and for the first time from 1981 to 2007, there was other families going through what we were going through. And it was an aha moment. And Chris was there. I got to meet Chris for the first time. At that time, he hadn't even started Sports Legacy Institute. He was in the middle of doing that with Robert, Dr. Robert Cantu. And uh, he was already starting to work with Dr. Ann McKee from uh, Boston U and the Veterans Administration. So we, we all held hands. There were testimonies at Dicka's press conference that morning. There was Mercury Morris that I knew. There was the DeMarcos. There was uh, Brent Boyd and his wife. And we're all holding hands. Johnny Unitas' wife. I couldn't even imagine all the people that were there that were suffering the way we had been suffering. And so it was the first time we formed a support group. And we went to the hearings. On my way after the hearings, um, HBO called and said, Chris had referred me over and would I, would I do a, an interview? And at that point in time, I, you know, and do you have any other families that might want to? Well, I had to think about that because it was a very touchy subject because what goes on behind closed doors stays behind closed doors. So mm -hmm. you, you want when your football man, when your husband, your boyfriend walks out that front door in your little community, you want them to have that honor and integrity because sometimes that's all they have left. And the emotional trauma, um, the depression, you know, Jeff got depressed. We had financial difficulties, filing bankruptcy. Um, we had a lot of family interference and he had physical disabilities. So when you take all of that in, um, I had already been at one time in my life sole support of our family and um, when I fought 16 years to get his disability. But um, this, as, as, as our marriage progressed, as his physical disabilities progressed, I had no idea what was going on in the brain. And I just attributed it to physical pain and prescription drugs. I had no idea that there was a disease going on in his head called CTE. And as our marriage uh, grew, and probably the last six, seven years of our marriage at that time before 2007, um, his brain disease escalated into all kinds of things. And, and um, Tricia, you know exactly what I'm saying and so many other families that we have now come together with and form support groups. Um, but the anger management, uh, breaking things, um, daring me to, to hit him so he could hit me um he would break things that meant something to me and i'd be at work and i'd come home and they'd be broken all over the floor and oh yeah that was an accident yeah 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 i'm sorry um he had he started towards the end having blackouts anger management um you know you end up walking around on eggshells and you're still hiding it all inside and I hid it until 2007. And I think back now with my son, the things that we endured because we loved him. And he was an absolute wonderful, wonderful, kind man, loving man. Uh, we were animal freaks together. Um, we had so much in common. And he was a gentle giant. And, you know, we forget 
when these guys come off the field that they're they're four-year-olds in big men's bodies because I was raised by the Marine Corps handbook and a lot of these a lot of these gentlemen a lot of these players coming off the field have known nothing except being told what to do and this is a big adjustment I later on started Pro Athletes Transition after my HBO interview because it's transitioning the player and the family. They have always been told what to do. They're needed. They're gladiators on the field, but they're four-year-olds when they come off the field. And unless they have reprogrammed themselves and there are a smaller percentage of those football players that have prepared for journalism, for banking, for corporate world when they come out. But Jeff played eight years in the pros, but he played 18 years of football. And he was an All-American in basketball, football, and track. And um, uh, second round draft pick to Buffalo Bills from USC. So he was a USC boy. Um, all of those things infiltrated him when he got injured and had to leave football. The depression set in, he tried to commit suicide. We went through hell and back, trying to get players union to come in and help us. And they would just say, oh, well, just sit out and try again. <laughs> you know, just Let's just keep plugging along. And, and that made him feel even uh, more depressed because he knew physically he couldn't do it anymore. And he'd already waved his back and his ankle with the Raiders the last two years that he played with the Raiders. Um, so he, he couldn't do it anymore. And the only way he thought he could help me at that time before Travis was born was to commit suicide. And he had a small $50,000 life insurance policy that, that he thought in his mind would take care of us. And um, we went through a lot. But after that congressional hearing, I knew then that um, I had to come forward and tell our story. I'd already been writing the flip side of glory for three years. I tried to get Jeff to write it and um, it was too emotional for him. And, and then I had started it. And then by the end of 2007, it was done. And when the HBO interview came out in 2008, um, I was getting emails from Europe, Canada, America, mainly for football and hockey, people telling me, oh my God, um, I just saw your interview. I just started reading your book. This is my life. This is what I'm dealing with. Can I please talk to somebody? And that was the beginning of all the different little support groups we put together. We put together Jane Arnett. Um, I met Tricia in 2009 mm -hmm. when we did our very first NFL Veterans Summit in Las Vegas. And how many people do you think were there, Trish, that first uh, summit? Maybe a hundred. Maybe a hundred, right? Maybe, yeah. Uh, and how many, how many wives were, would you, you say were there at that event? There was a lot of wives there. Yes, there were a lot of wives there. And like you, uh, there were there were three of us wives that spoke: um, Susie Hayward, myself, trying and to Jane. think of, and yeah, and Jane Arnett. And when we were all three done, I'll never forget. J.D. Hill stood up and he started crying, and he said, "I had no idea what I'm putting my family through." 
but still no other wives would come forward because it's a personal private thing. It's not something that you just go yell and talk about. And um, when, when Trisha approached me after when the DeMarcos that I did the HBO interview with, Cindy Phillips, when we did the HBO interview, her husband just disappeared, just walked out the door one day and never came home. Um, I've dealt with families whose um, husbands live in the woods, who um, they're found on the street wandering. They, they have the onset of what people thought was dementia, but it wasn't until Ben and Amalu discovered with Mike Webster and the Webster family. Um, I actually had met Garrett Webster at the, um, at the congressional hearings in 2007. And all I could see was my son. He stood up there and talked at the Dicka press conference and all I saw was my son. And then he and um, the DeMarcos and myself and Jen Smith um, and the Dicka group, we all rode together in the SUV over to the congressional hearings. And um, the DeMarcos ended up doing an HBO inter interview with me. In the beginning, Jeff, um, Jeff was seeing and starting to realize that he had a problem. And that's something else that a lot of our family players, especially the players, the family will recognize it before the player will admit it. And it wasn't until 2010 that my husband actually recognized that he, he actually came out and said it. He knew he had problems, but he would try to handle it in his own way. And then when the anger management and, and the, the ugliness would come out, he would write me the most beautiful letters, the most beautiful cards. I don't know what's happening to me. And I just kept attributing it to prescription drugs. I never mm -hmm. thought that it was a brain disease until um, all of this stuff started coming out. And then Chris started Sports Legacy Institute, which is now concussion um, Legacy Foundation, mm -hmm. and since 2008, we he he broke out in 2009 at our Super Bowl. Um, our we had Super Bowl here in Tampa, and the year before that, he Chris called me and um, Alan Schwartz. We were working with Alan Schwartz with the New York Times. Um, Chris called and said, um, "Did you hear about Tom?" And I said, "Tom who?" He said, "Tom McHale." And I said, um, no, I was on vacation in, in Michigan. And, and he said, I need Lisa's number. Um, he said, I want, I want Tom's brain. And Bennett Amalo also wanted Tom's brain. And um, the two flew in and I gave, I gave him uh, Lisa's number. And then later, um, Bennett took part of his brain and, and uh, Chris took part of his brain and uh, Bennett and Chris started having conflict. And so they separated and Bennett went his way and Chris stayed uh, with uh, Sports Legacy Institute until the, the movie Concussion came out. And at that time he decided he would just change the name um, and, and become Concussion Legacy Foundation. But you never know where you're gonna end up. You never know what is gonna happen. Um, when I started working with families on the backside, having gone through it myself, 
Um, we have a number of our family members. Um, Cindy Phillips went through it. Um, we've had a number of our players, uh, Sylvia Mackey, uh, Eleanor Profetto, whose husbands have passed like mine, um, who ended up in assisted living facilities. And I think we finally, over so many years, got the Plan 88 in and, and got it to where it actually worked. Um, you know, Gene Upshaw's uh, did, a, did a lot of work there as well. Um, I'm not happy with the NFL. I'm, I'm, I'm founding member of our NFL alumni Tampa Bay chapter here um, with everything that I've gone through with the NFL um, and the things that they put families through to for disability and everything else. It's gotten so much better since, since Alan Schwartz, since a whole group of us, because it was a team effort to get all of this out in the media and all of us willing to talk about it. I was disappointed Jeff was going to do the interview with me and um, at the last minute, his parents forbid him to do it. And so by that time, they were flying out to Turlock where he was, and I was flying from Florida there. And his dad picked up the phone when Jill was on the phone and said, no, no way will, no way will he be doing an interview on HBO about his uh, neurocognitive problems because he wanted it like so many families do. They wanted it hidden. And what I found throughout my years now in in talking about it, first of all, it helps the player heal if they will talk about it. It helps the family heal. And the other thing, if you have children, one thing that happened with my son after Jeff died was the guilt that he felt not knowing that he had a disease and reminding himself of the way that he had lost respect for his dad, that he had just gone numb like we do in so many times in our household behind closed doors when you, we just, you, you're so used to it, which is really sad because nothing's getting accomplished behind closed doors, but you just tune it out. You tune it out. Well, there it goes again. Oh, okay. Yep, I'm the bad guy. Yep, that's me. Here we go. Um, so when you get the family unit involved and you get them to understand what they went through, what they're going through, because their identity was literally stolen and given to somebody else overnight, there's a death in the family and it's literally his. And he has to go in his man cave and have time to grieve. And um, most of the family, when that happens, well, all the family interference starts. Well, how are we going to pay the bills? How, what? Well, you got to get another job. You know, I mean, it's push, 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 push. And the NFL comes back with these transitional careers. Oh, this is great. No, it's not. You've got to take care of their emotional instabilities before they even know what they want to do next. And it drives me crazy. And that's when I started Pro Athletes Transition. You have to transition the whole family. You have to transition the kids. The kids are going down. That's wacko, you know, or blah, blah, blah. Or I can't be near him. He's, you know, he needs to go somewhere else. Or he's moved out and he's living in an apartment by himself going cuckoo. And, you know, we've had so many of our dear friends, um, players who have committed suicide who have 
the families have gone through the guilt that I went through, that my husband went through, you know, we'd only known. And now we're so close to having um, CTE diagnosed while you're living. But mm -hmm. the new MRIs and the PET scans can already detect the deterioration and it's getting out and getting that help. And, um, you know, that is really what's really, really important and not being afraid to tell your story but also maintaining the integrity and the privacy that your family needs to maintain too. But you can't just open up your mouth without talking to the whole family first. It has to be an agreement that the family is willing to talk about it. And usually we're only willing to talk about it after, after a loved one has died. And then mm -hmm. we're able to talk about it. And, and um, what Concussion Legacy Foundation has done um, Tricia, you've been to, to uh, you, I think you've been to one or two huddles. One of them. Yes. One of them. Tell me about what your thought was on, on the huddle. Oh, I thought it was wonderful. I like videotaped all of Anne McKee's, um, presentation. This was just fascinating. All the new research that they've done, um, at Boston university on CTE. And just, and that's where I got to meet Georgia and yeah. a bunch of other great folks. And I'm really looking forward to going to the next one too. Yeah, I missed, you, I missed the last one. I know, I was so bummed out. I, I, want, I wanted to go back for a minute, Brandy. Um, regarding Jeff, like, how old was he when he retired from the NFL? 30. 30, and then when, when did you first, or did you or he first notice symptoms or even looking back, when did he first start exhibiting symptoms? Well, looking back, the symptoms were already there, but like what I was just talking about, when you're first leaving football, there's depression, there's anger, there's, you know, I can't, I can't compete the way I'm, I'm a professional athlete. I'm that 1.6% of the elite athletes of the world and I can't do my job. And so I was, you know, Jeff was already acting things out. I mean, he took our St. Bernard one night and kicked him up the stairs because he was in an anger moment and the dog had accidentally peed while we were gone. Um, and that was when we were dating, but as, as it got worse and as, um, as he was taking medication and different things, I did not recognize it at that point. I didn't recognize it until it got so bad that it wasn't until the early two thousands uh, when I, we had, we had been separated and back and forth. Um, we were living in separate rooms of the house because we couldn't afford to each move out. Um, it was then that he came back one day and he said, um, I, I, I'm going to see a forensic psychiatrist. And that's when she put him, he was then diagnosed in 2002 with borderline personality disorder, bipolar and manic depression. And she put him on uh, Librium and Wellbutrin XL. And he was on that for about a year and a half. And that really, really helped him. But he was also on Jurgesic Patches, straight fentanyl. He was on uh, 120 Soma, 60 Valium, 60 Percodan for breakthrough. He had a medical license for pot. Um, and he was infiltrating all of those things. So when I'm reading about behavior patterns on these things, I'm thinking, oh, well, that's okay. You know, that's kind of normal. No, it's not. 
you know, he should have already been dead with all the stuff he was taking. But, oh, yeah. But you see, the brain races. So the brain is racing. So they're not looking to do cocaine. They're looking to do marijuana. They're looking to take Valium. I mean, he would take tons and tons of 10 mil Valium to try to slow the brain down to calm the alcohol. Yeah. Or the alcohol. So, you know, and what we saw is that it's alcohol, illegal drugs, prescription drugs, a combination of all of the above, because they're doing something constantly trying to keep themselves calm. And, and when you start recognizing that, then you can help to understand what is going on in their brain that's creating this. Because as you know, Trish, that wasn't the guy we married, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't our guy. Our guy turned into somebody that they didn't even understand, which frustrated, it frustrated Jeff more because he didn't understand what was going on. And, um, and he wouldn't admit it because they have a lot of pride and you can't tell a big guy that, you know, there's something wrong with you. Oh no, no, I can handle it. Because here's the thing, when they're out on the field, what's the coach telling them to do? Toughen up, toughen up, toughen up. You got to push through it, work it out. You're in the gym, you're pushing line, right? You got to work it out. So what, that's what, that's their mentality. All right. And so they have to reprogram themselves. And then if you get the, the family unit involved, then you're going to put a new playbook together. See, they're lost without that playbook. They're lost without that playbook. And they're not going to tell you that they're lost because there are these big, strong guys. But inside, they're dying. They're falling apart. And that was the one thing when Jeff and I started getting back together in 2010, um, I was in for the long haul. And a few days before he passed away, he sent me an, a, a text. I, I can't put you and Travis through this anymore. And I said, no, you know, we got everything going. I already have your driver's license here. I got every, you know, but he was all still under house arrest. He had three DUIs. He was having blackouts. Um, he had come here February, 2012. We were preparing for him. We were getting married uh, the beginning of March in 2013, but his house arrest and probation wouldn't end in California until 20, September of 2013. So Travis and Jessica, his girlfriend at the time, now his wife, we were flying out. They were going to stand up for us. Um, and he wanted to do it when his parents were not there. They were in Arizona. He always wanted to do everything. I didn't even know I was getting married when I got married in 1981. And his parents weren't invited there either. So I was the outcast of the family. I must have lured him to Reno to get married. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, you know, you never know what somebody inside is going through. And I think what I try to do with the family unit is to try to help them to understand, yes, this is what we're going through. This is what we've been through. And this is how we can hopefully move forward as a family. Maybe that loved one, um, like yours right now, Trish, he's, he's going to stay in assisted living. Um, but now you can better approach him in, in a way that is loving and kind, uh, even when he's not loving and kind. And know, let him know that, you know, it's funny because one thing I've learned with these players, players 
guys want to be needed, girls want to be loved. And there's a big difference there in the way that men and women think anyway. And um, as a transition coach and a Myers-Briggs and a, and a, a behavioral assessor, um, you know, it's learning those different patterns and also the cultural background of each of each family member too, because um, you're in a blended marriage. A lot of blended marriages happen in the NFL and in professional sports, but your blended marriage came from two different cultures. So then it's also understanding those cultures. And one thing that happens when a family member goes down or they become disabled is there's a lot of family interference. There was a lot of family interference in my life with Jeff's family to a point where um, I had to stand tall for Jeff. Um, you know, just shove it all under the carpet, shove it all under the carpet and it'll go away. No, it won't. You guys have to recognize your son is disabled. They, they wouldn't recognize that. They just almost mm -hmm. turn, they turn their back on him. And you got to also recognize that um, there's a neurocognitive problem that he wants your love. You just need to give it and stop and turn your back on him. But, you know, the way that we have, I mean, we've come so far now from 2007 days and um, the movie Concussion, the, the things that Chris is doing with Concussion Legacy Foundation, the things that Dr. Stern and Dr. McKee and um, Dr. Cantu and Chris Nowinski, uh, Lisa McHale is, is you know, uh, with Family Relations. Um, we're able to have that kind of uh, family support now that we need online, but it's also nice to have that one in one time uh, with somebody and, um, you know, anybody who ever needs that one-on-one -on -one time, you know, you have to listen to be heard too. I know I've been jacking my jaws a lot, but. Uh, what an incredible story. I've spoken to, I've had the pleasure of speaking to so many family members, but I will never get past the fact of how different each story is. And I think that's really important to reiterate that even though there is that commonality of CT or suspected CTE, that everyone's challenges and, what everyone goes through does vary so greatly so that is why it is so important to share your stories and and be so open about what you're going through and I wanted to just quickly pop back to when you mentioned you released your book and you suddenly got quite a few emails from wives saying oh this is how what we've been going through and things like that I just wondered how that made you feel um it was it was another aha moment for me, but it was also extremely overwhelming that what I was writing about could help somebody else, that they wanted somebody to talk to, that they were suffering inside behind closed doors. And um, it was extremely overwhelming. And then when the HBO interview came out um, and I had more, more and more people contacting me, um, it it is, it's mind boggling that there were this many people going through things and suffering from it and not being able to have anybody to talk to because it's like a, an NFL wife can only usually talk to an NFL wife, okay, um, for fear that something is going to get out in the media. And the media goes crazy. You know, Alan Schwartz was a godsend for all of us. Gay Culverhouse was another godsend. She and I were very close. 
Uh, she, she gave uh, uh, testimony at uh, the 2009 hearings and Gay got very, very involved. In fact, um, Alan Schwartz flew down here and um, the New York Times did an article with myself and Gay, uh, Batman, Richard Wood that Jeff played with, uh, with at uh, USC and, and Scott Brantley, who was also uh, uh, had had a stroke. One of the things that people forget about is that along with CTE, um, we have players with ALS. We just we just lost Steve Smith uh, a while back. Uh, Steve was probably one of the longest ALS um, patients I've ever seen that lasted this long because he he played for the Raiders uh, and mm -hmm. then in the early 2000s got ALS and he just recently passed away. Um, and we've had ALS, we have Parkinson's, Jeff was already starting the Parkinson's, um, dementia, but this, the, it, it all, it hits the frontal lobe, which is how CTE is also being able to be detected under slides different than dementia or ALS or any of the other diseases. However, we feel very strongly, um, that all of those from professional football players, professional athletes, uh, contributes to the other to the other diseases. Not everybody is going to get CTE that plays football or hockey or soccer or any of those things. However, um, the one question that I always had was, could this be something that is gen is possibly also underlying genetically that gets triggered? from the repetitive hits to the head that comes out that normally would have stayed dormant. So I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I mentioned it to Dr. Stern one time and he was like, well, that's kind of interesting. I said, yeah, I don't being know. That, being that the NFL players have a higher rate of all of those diseases than the general public. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, um, and some of our players, um, are, some of them have been diagnosed with dementia, um, Parkinson's already, and we know several, uh, you know, we've got Gleason right now, the Gleason Foundation, um, that are being diagnosed with ALS. So, um, yeah, it is, it is interesting, but the, the, the most powerful thing was that book coming out, um, and being able to be able to share stories and share lives and listen to people just pick up the phone and call because they've held this in i know how many years how many years did you hold it in trish we held it in for so many years and to be able to give it back and to release it because until you forgive you can't heal and forgiveness and understanding you listen to understand you you're able to um through watching their behavior patterns and knowing that this isn't really them. This isn't what and how I fell in love with that guy, um, you know, and I'm thankful now that, um, I mean, you can, you can get CTE from a car accident. You know, I've had, yeah. I've had three major concussions. I had a windshield at 60 miles an hour. I donated my brain to, to Chris already. So one thing I learned, um, at the concussion legacy foundation huddle that we went to, uh, that, um, the biggest, uh, 
what, what was it about CTE and women, Georgia? Domestic violence is the highest right. and was what causes CTE the most in women. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah that was, absolutely. I couldn't believe that. Yeah. And but I think that's important to know, isn't it? Like, especially for all our listeners who are unfamiliar with CTE at the moment, that it can happen to so many people. I mean, most of the stories that we speak about are associated of wives of NFL players. It is important to mention the people in the smaller part of the, the ratio of the different sports. And like you said, Trisha, domestic violence victims. Um, it really is sporadic and it's important to raise awareness on, on all of those. But also think about this. Um, verbal abuse is domestic violence. Um, the things that we have endured and, and some of our NFL family wives have endured even physical um, physical abuse as well. Um, Jeff would put holes in walls before he'd hit me, but as he progressed um, and he tried to kill me in the car one night, um, he, that was that was kind of the final the final scenario. And then the next day. Um, he calls and apologizes because I went and stayed with a girlfriend that night after I got him out of the car, but I'm driving down the freeway 70 miles an hour and we'd gone out to celebrate my birthday and, um, and all of his uh, meanness started coming out. He had a couple martinis and um, you know, Travis and I were just here for the money. Travis was this, Travis was that. I was this whore. I was this, I was that. I was this horrible person. You know, I, I, I work all the time. I'm never home. And we get in the car and I said, well, you know, let's just head on home and we get in the car and he just won't stop. He won't stop. He won't stop. And, um, and all of a sudden, um, He's, he's it spits pouring out of his mouth and he's purple faced. And he's looking, I said, he said, let me out of the fucking car. Let me out of the fucking car right now. I'm going to knock your fucking head off. And I was like, I'm just going, please God, please God, please God, please God, please God. Just get me calm. Just get me. I said, honey, I can't, I'm off the freeway. So I'm not going to yell. I'm going to stay very calm. That was one thing that I stressed to people. Do not, don't, don't trigger back when they're triggering. Do not trigger back try to pivot, try to pivot, try to stay calm. Um, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way, blah, blah, blah. So all of a sudden he came across and I put my arm up and he touched me like this. And then he went to the rearview mirror and literally, this is how much power this man had. He literally pulled the whole rearview mirror out of the glass and he's holding it in his hand. That would have been my head. And then he goes, and now he's pounding on the dashboard. And I thought that the, um, I thought the airbag was going to come out. I was like, maybe the airbag will come out and hit him in the face, you know? Oh my and, gosh. Uh, and so um, I was like, he goes, see what you made me do. And he's holding this, and all the wires, because, you know, the new cars, you got wires and shit. And I'm like, I hope, I hope the car, maybe the car will just stop right now, you know, from all the stuff. So we got off the freeway and we weren't that far from the house that we were on, uh, on, on Bayway. And so, um, so I just dropped him off at the corner and I drove off and I called Lori and I said, I, I said, I need to come spend the night. And I spent the night and the next morning he called and he was crying. He was apologetic. He was saying, I, I, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I love you. I don't. And, and as he's talking to me, 
I'm driving through the toll booth. We're, we're in Florida. We live on a little island. And I'm driving through the toll booth and the car dies. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I said, well, while you're at it, can you call AAA? Because I'm at the toll booth at the Bayway. Calls <laughs> well, AAA and we tow the car over to Bert Smith, um, which is, um, I had a Kia at the time, a Kia SUV. And we tow it over there. And the guy... Um, I said, well, what are you going to, what are you going to say? He said, I'm just going to tell him the truth. I said, did you try to kill me? He goes, yeah. So we get to the, we get to the, the service place. And you got to understand Jeff is six foot six. So he's about 260, right? And um, there was this little, tiny, little guy came over with this little pad Oh, he's got his little pad. And yes, can I help you? And, and then he looks up at Jeff. Jeff gets out of the car. And and um, and he sees, I, and he goes, yeah, we're towing my wife's car in. And uh, he goes, oh, what happened to it? He said, oh, not, not much. I just tried to kill her last night. And then his eyes got about this big. And he looks over and he sees the whole windshield is all smashed in there. Oh my god. The rear view mirrors in the back seat. And and uh, and the guys now he's like, okay, okay. And and what happened? And he said, Well, we got into a fight and I tried to knock her head off in the car and and and, and then she pissed me off and then instead of killing her, I just decided I'd rip rip the rear view mirror out. <laughs> and the guy goes, well, I think this can be covered under your comprehensive and we'll just... I was just going to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, is that an intentional act? Would that be covered? <laughs> Lord of God, they, they covered it. It was covered. But wow. it was the first time um, that, you know, and I, I stayed away for a couple of days after that. But um, we had we had several instances where he would go into a hospital. He would his back would you know he had titanium put in. He he had multiple. He had over hundred surgeries. So um, with that with that in mind, one day we were uh, I had come home from work and I went by the hospital because we he had gone in the night before and they give him uh, muscle relaxants and morphine to relax all the muscles in his back. Um, he had degenerative disc disease. He had he had um, uh, I don't know, four surgeries on his neck, three or four on his back. He's had uh, torn ACLs, MCLs, all broken toes, uh, broken ankles, crushed ankles, crushed, broken feet, you know, all that as a lineman. So anyway, I went by to bring him some food. <laughs> He's in his little gown <laughs> and he goes, get the car. I said, what? <laughs> he goes, get the car. I'm leaving. I said, well, okay, well, let me get your stuff. We'll call the nurse. No, Brandy, get the fucking car. I'm leaving right now. And he's taking the IVs of his car. <laughs> and I went down the hall, pulled up to the lobby entrance of the hospital, and he came walking out bare ass with the gown hanging out his ass. You weren't, you couldn't have told him no if you wanted to, right? I mean, you just couldn't have told him no. That was um, what there was were a happen. lot of stories like that, but you know, when you think about them now, they're kind of comical. But at the time, you know, you're just okay, okay, whatever you say. <laughs> but, um, 
I don't know, it, it, you have to take, um, you know, if you, if, you, if you ever watch a comedian, um, a stand-up comic, you know that they, they've had a hurt inside. And I think now, for me, um, I've, I've released the hurt and I look back at, the, at the, um, the wonderful part of our marriage, the beautiful part of our, that we have a beautiful son. I have a six-year-old granddaughter and a beautiful daughter-in-law I couldn't have handpicked better. Um, all the things that we went through at the time you're going, God, why are you putting me through this? Why? Please, God, don't do this. I can't take anymore. You told me, you told me when I can't take anymore, you're going to help me out, you know? And then, and then it just got worse and worse and worse. But, you know, one thing I've learned is that, um, I'm a survivor. So many of us end up being survivors. And uh, when, when you look at it that way, and I look back now at my life, because I'm, I'm, they call me the OG, I'm the den mother now, um, it was all for a bigger, greater purpose. But we don't understand that at the time. We don't understand it at the time. Um, started every, out so small. And now, exactly. You hear, you hear so many people talk about CTE. I remember the first time it was going to be on a, law and order episode or something. And we were all excited that it was going to be mentioned on a TV show, um, you know, actual CTE. Yeah. And now you see it quite often. You do. In fact, um, they just had it on. Well, and Chris is doing that Instagram uh, podcast now where he just did another player the other night, Monday Night Football. And um, he's right in there. He's, he's been putting several of these together and, um, you know, he went back and got the NFL to, um, to go back to get the, uh, the dolphin, uh, neurologist fired because they didn't, they didn't take, um, the player out. Well, the other mm. night he's watching this kid, um, trying to remember what his name was. He was a uh, running back and, um, he got hit, he got slammed, he got slammed down. He couldn't, he couldn't, it took him forever to get up. You could see he's all wobbly. They didn't take him out of the game. Then they go to another play and one of the teammates, one of the teammates went, stop, stop right now, time out, stop. And they walked over and they took him out of the game. But the coaches didn't. They left him in the game. And you could tell he had a concussion. He was all over the place. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we're, it, it's, it's getting, it's getting called out now. The NFL can't, um, you know, they can't hide from us anymore. <laughs> you know, they knew my name. I mean, even with the concussion settlement, they, they denied our, they denied us and he had CTE. <laughs> they denied us. We had to apply. I had, I had to reapply three times and they go to a special master because they didn't like the way Emma Key wrote the first report in 2012 because they hadn't even diagnosed stages back then. So oh you hear so many stories like that and it's and like you said it's it's great that we've come a long way now and it's almost a safety in numbers that there's so many more people talking yeah. about it and sharing their stories that they have no choice but to listen. Yes, and um we have such a wonderful group of ladies and families. Um yesterday I had a heart-wrenching day with uh, a former player friend of mine. Um I met at a Players Association Conference uh, back in 2014 here in Orlando, and um, he and his girlfriend, they're married now, but um, he was a middle linebacker for 11 years, 
uh, 10 years with the Colts. And um, uh, he just called me. I, I, we met and then three months later, he just picked up the phone and called. And um, we, we've been very close ever since. And now it's his, 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 he's gotten married to her now. Um, but uh, he, he's been having a hard time lately. And um, the family members have had it. You know, they've had it too. So um, he called yesterday crying. And just, I said, just let it out. Just cry, just cry, just cry. And he just cried, cried, oh, oh wow. And, um, and then he asked me to talk to his wife when she got off work and I did. Um, but I was on the phone with him for about an hour and a half. And then um, he's gotten his disability pension. He's gotten his concussion settlement. He's, but, his life is not um, where he would like it to be. And he, he was asking me yesterday, all right, so did Jeff do this, 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 and this? And I say, yeah, he did, he did. And I'd say, you know, and sometimes we just got numb. We just would tune it out because it happened so often towards the end, it would just happen so often. But once Jeff, my husband recognized it, um, he started becoming a little bit more conscious and started getting some brain scans and started getting some PET scans and started trying to understand because prior to that, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. You know, it's, it's, it's just everybody else. Everybody else is the problem but me. And, um, and, and that's, that's their mindset. You know, we're, they're not the problem. Everybody else surrounding them is because nobody understands. Nobody's, no, nobody's picked up their clothes today. Nobody's done this. Oh, there's, there's stuff on the counter in the kitchen. You better, you know, how could you, how could you leave stuff on the counter? And, you know, Jeff would call me 3000 miles away and go, do you know what your son did? <laughs> you know, and I let him vent. And then I go, well, who's the parent here? You know, Are you the parent? I'm going to kill him when he goes home. You know, I'm like, no, you're not. And I'd say, Travis, just let daddy calm down before you go home. But wow, usually, yeah. you know, you got to learn how to have a timeout. But um, I'm so blessed where I'm at in my life right now. And I'm, I'm writing Unbreakable Strength, which is my story before Jeff. Um, God has taken me on many, 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 many journeys um, from, uh, from an early age. And, um, and I had shoved that under the carpet for many, many years until I started working uh, with the Department of Juvenile Justice teens and young adults and uh, realized that I was also a troubled kid and, and a juvie and I needed to just tell my story. And um, when, when will we be able to read that? I'm hoping I'll have it out by uh, late spring, early summer. Great. Um, I've got okay. 200 pages on it, and uh, my goal was to have the first draft done by the end of October, but I've had a few little glitches along the way to yeah. gotten away. But um, uh, you know, you never know where God's going to take you on your journey. But you know, there's a there's a a saying that Dennis Quaid did, and 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 I keep it here on my PC, and it says addiction is about filling a hole inside yourself. And um, in my mind, with these with these gladiators um, of men and women, it's not you know professional athletes that are suffering with CTE. Um, 
there's an addictive thing that is going on with the brain racing and and you keep trying to fill that hole you keep trying to fill the hole and, and it's not getting filled it's not even getting a third of the way up um but it, it hit me because he overcame addiction and um and we all are have addictions um maybe 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 we're compulsive buyers maybe we're compulsive cleaners we all have certain addictions and then we have to learn how to live with those addictions um but you know, the other thing I'll tell people is let your emotions subside before you decide. And the one thing in working with families today is when the heated stuff comes out, don't trigger it. Stay calm. Have a timeout. Um, because it'll just escalate and it'll, and it'll just continue to. The one thing you don't want to see in the family unit that happened to us over and over again is the yelling and the screaming because the kids are video recorders with legs. Um, they see and hear everything, their emotional turmoil underneath. Um, it took, Jeff passed away in 2012, the end of 2012. My granddaughter was born November of 2016. That was the first time my son put his wall down was when that baby was born. He had put that wall up and shoved all that emotion inside to grieve for his dad. He, he couldn't grieve. He, he, he had such guilt inside. As a man, he couldn't grieve until then. And, um, you know, and I'd get on him and he, he'd call me back and he'd say, Mom, I don't know why I can't. I, I'm sorry I'm this way. His, God, his godfather died. And I said, well, he was an old man. I went, how dare you say that? He was your godfather. He loved you. Well, I don't know. I can't, I can't feel mommy. You know, you just go, I can't feel. And I think we have to remember about the family unit that everybody is suffering. It's not the wife and the spouse, the whole family unit suffers. And it's very difficult to talk to the other family members who aren't living behind those closed doors. And um, that's why an outside member can help or to be able to hear other people's stories. Um, we, we stereotype, we judge, um, we look at somebody, we judge, um, and we have no idea what that person's been through. So unbreakable strength is something that um, the flip side of glory, unbreakable strength, and then the flip side of glory, the final chapter, I want to finish Jeff and mine's story and the things that we went through after 2007, right after our divorce. It was always funny. I went back on the last part of the book and I said, I said, who knows, maybe someday, because Jeff always said, well, maybe we could just meet in a bar again and start over. And, um, and at the end of my book, it was funny. God said, why don't you just say that? And I said, you know, um, who knows, maybe someday we'll start over. And I said, only God knows for sure. And then three years later, we were able to start over. And, um, wow. and I'm so blessed that when he died, we had love, peace, and joy. And he had wrote, written me the most beautiful text the night before he died. And, uh, and That's it's incredible. Uh, yeah. But 
Brandy, can we put a link to the flip side of glory where people can um, get that book? Because I, yes, I read I, it a long time ago. It's in a box in my garage somewhere. I'd, I'd like to get another copy for myself as well. I'll, I'll be happy to send you a copy. I'll be happy to send George one too. You just let me know. Uh, I, I'm on Amazon, uh, Kindle. I don't think Nook is still available, but if you go to any of the dot coms, goodreads.com, um, okay. I'm all over the place. That way you can pick it up. My first audio CD, I'm getting ready to redo, that's called The Stepping Stones of Life. And I originally had done that. It's geared for teens and young adults. I'll, I'll drop a copy in because it'll be comical. Um, when I recorded it in 2005, we, my producer decided to leave all the bloopers in. So um, uh, as I paused on stuff or I, I restate things, and it needs to be updated because George Bush isn't there and Will Will Smith and I robots, you know. I mean people go, What? What president? So um, but I'll I'll send it to you. I'm getting ready to redo the audio on that. But uh, it's called the Stepping That'd Stones. That'd be great. Like always, there'll be a link in our in our website and also um at the bottom of the podcast and YouTube channel where everyone can get all the amazing links to to Brandy's work. I think they're more than worth the read you. and you'll learn a lot from them. I thank you thank so you much so for much, having Brandy. me on today. It's been a pleasure. And you know what? 2023 is our year. Yes. I'm yeah. still I'm still in awe that I'm still alive, but it's, it's our <laughs> year. It. And um, <laughs> it's going to be a fantastic year. And you're in my prayers, Trish. And anytime you want to just give me a chat, please do. I will do Love that. You. Thank you so much. Bye, Brandy. Ah. Bye. See you later. Bye. So that's the end of today's episode, everyone. We hope you enjoyed it and we hope that you learned something new today. Please join us next week, Monday at eight o'clock for the next episode of CTE Talk. Hope everyone has a fabulous week and we will see you then. Bye.